That's how we start the show every week, in case you guys are wondering. <laughs> me, me, mama, moo. Right. Are you ready to go? The children. Welcome to Omp Auf. I am Sirs. With me is Derm. Lots going on tonight. I had acting lessons, my house, which I've lived in and rented it uh, for years now. The landlord just told me that they're going to sell it out from under me uh, unless I put in an offer to buy it. So that's what's happening. It's a very stressful time. My mom had a, a mini stroke. Uh, and God damn it. Did you watch Godzilla vs. Kong? I did. I did. It was terrible. Uh, I mean, it's like, I, if you fast forward to just the fights, yeah, there's something there. But God, there was nothing to do between the fights. I, I, so I forget, was it you that I was talking with earlier or was it someone else where the main point is the callous disregard for the exorbitant amount of people who would have died in the filming of this movie? Like... I remember at one point I'm watching, I was watching with Ying and another friend of ours. And uh, uh, I believe uh, Godzilla's tail came down and cut the um, aircraft carrier in half. Yeah. And we paused and said, you know, how many people are on an aircraft carrier? Because I didn't see anybody vacating the aircraft carrier. Uh, also, let's just point out, that's like the entire military of the country. <laughs> I think I don't the know naval... how many I don't know how many fleets. Those are like fleets. And and I any military people listening to this will laugh at us, but I know that there is a designation for like these agglomeration of usually they're helmed by an aircraft carrier and then some support vehicles and other things. But they're like floating armies and we've got like I don't know five of them. Um so it wouldn't be the entire army, but it is a substantial piece of hardware. And uh, so just just off the top of your head, how many people man an aircraft carrier? What do you think? How many people are on that thing? Did you look this up? Am yeah, I, I absolutely okay. did. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 45,000. That's too high. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of people. <laughs> well, it depends. If they're children, they're easily fit. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, All right, you got me you got me that so it's five thousand five thousand you know marines or whatever whatever have you are going to be required but like literally none of them survived that so and that was just one of the ships that went down plus then they demolished the entire hong kong city they i mean buildings yeah. were collapsing left and right they tried to suggest that they were evacuated but we've seen how the governments operate approximately well actually 10, china China seconds. could have evacuated in 10 seconds, actually. <laughs> They're pretty quick. I, I, I don't know. I, my point is simply uh, a lot of stuff happened in that movie, but very little of it related to saving anyone's life. Lives are a currency easily spent in Kong versus uh, um, Godzilla. It's weird. Like, the Hollow Earth stuff was so neat, and there were so many, like, little things that I liked in the fighting. Like, Kong gets a... 
a weird battle axe made from like the scale of a Godzilla. What is that? Oh, we we uncovered an entire intelligent uh, evidence of an entire intelligent society at gargantuan scale in the Hollow Earth, and we didn't yeah. have time to even think about what that might have meant. We were just like, nope. Time for two dudes to duke it out. Two rubbery dudes to duke it out in the city. <laughs> We're going to ignore this entire underground civilization or the fact that somehow they're symbiotic because these axes are powered up by the flames from Godzilla. So what is that? I I was I was happy that they did choose a winner, and I won't say who it was. I, I think there's a, <laughs> there is a clear winner, even though they end up fighting a third party. Um, Um, please don't push yourself here you know major spoiler alert let's go and just jump into this episode this is episode six of wonder egg priority that we're covering here today i'm sorry that we've talked so much at the top here but um it is it is one of my favorite episodes i would say um this one's really interesting to me because it it really is disjointed in a way. It's it's it keeps flashing back between the scenes of I in the school trying to solve the dilemma of the egg girl Yae, who is dealing with uh, a ghost that I is not able to see and not able to hurt. It's interspersing that with the real world, quote unquote, where I is dealing with. Uh, she's going through something. She's going through something big time. And it has to do with her mother, and it has to do with her teacher. This is not I as we've been seeing her in the last few episodes. She seems to have regressed a little bit. She's pulled her hoodie on again, and she's pulled the strings tight. So she's made what uh, Ian uh, called the egg shape of her head. Uh, She's retracted. And um, it's very interesting to me how uh, we're sort of getting this, this, like, different version of I where she's acting out. um, She's waking up on the wrong side of bed. There's something really just, there's something bothering her and she doesn't seem to be willing to fully confront it yet. She might not even understand exactly what's wrong because um, her mother is being kind of cagey about the relationship between she and Sawaki in the beginning of the episode, the teacher, Mr. Sawaki. Um, Don, did you enjoy this episode as well? Um, what was what was your takeaway here? Uh, this episode had a lot going on. Um, and I really did want to spend some time teasing out the the villain or the the boss that I fights in this episode and that with with Yue was her name? Yae. Yae. Because I was are you saying you wanted the show to spend time teasing no, out the boss? No, I want boss? us to, you and I, <laughs> to oh, okay. discuss this. Because I'm quite curious. We've looked at sort of bullying and people not feeling worthy and killing themselves um, on that way. Or people who've been abused and so they've taken their own lives. Mm. Here's one where I'd it starts to get a little murky as to what is the truth of the matter. Because the implication is that Yai is sort of like a seer or she can, she's touched and can see the, the, the other side, the ghosts. Sure. She can see yeah. these things. Um, and, and it, presumably she offs herself because 
she actually goes to the hospital and it's surrounded with essentially bad energy that she can yep. see or feel and absorbs. And it's just too much for her, I am guessing, because the the gory details we are spared from. But I, I have to wonder on this one because, you know, suicide can and often is associated with mental illness. And they don't actually make a lot of it. They don't delve that vein. And I'm glad they don't because I think it would get very complicated. But this is where they start to sort of graze against it. Like, What would be a... We can think of situations for the other girls who have committed suicide where they would not feel the need or the or have the desire. Like They weren't abused. Therefore, they had a normal childhood and they didn't feel like killing themselves. Yes. End of story. But what do you do for somebody who is psychically sensitive um, who and whom people do not believe? I mean, you know, if, if one of... If you came to me and said, Don... I just want you to know I see ghosts and I can I talk to them. People. Yeah. If you did that, then I would say I'm, you know, bully for you, but I cannot, I'm, I'm skeptical that that's actually happening. You know, I don't, depending upon how much you made an issue of bringing it up, like I don't know that it would affect our friendship, but, but you can see that that is in fact a problem for just, regular day functionality because if you're walking around and somebody says oh my god there's a ghost right there who decapitated itself like that that's a problem right so what do you think about this i want to ask you like do you believe her do you think that she was seeing anything or do you think that there was an aspect of this which was well was this in her control or was this beyond her control is there an aspect of it which is her trying to show that she's special somehow um, and she took it too far? I will present one thing as evidence that she may have been acting out. She is dressed like um, straight out of like the visual K scene or like Ayanami Ray or something like like she has like a stitched murder bear that she carries around with her. Uh, she's wearing an eye patch. Now, did, did she like scratch her eye or is this just an affectation? I don't think that's clear. But she, her visuals immediately made me think that she's doing something trendy or something that, you know, uh, she's, she's mimicking a look and a vibe that she wants to take on for herself. Okay. okay. It's like a goth girl wearing goth clothes and then telling you she sees ghosts. Yeah, that's like, fine. You're less likely to believe a goth girl than you are someone Right, because it's dressed. part of the whole affectation. Right. Right. But when the goth goth girl turns around and says I can't handle the negative psychic energy and offs herself, then I am feeling that she's more than just putting on a vibe. Right? And so here we get to the point where I guess I'll present it in a different way. I think from watching the show that the easiest explanation for me as a viewer is to accept that she is telling the truth. She sees things that others cannot, and therefore she was a poor misunderstood child, and the the burden of that was too much to bear. I think if you step back and say, okay, and, and of course, we're watching an anime and these girls are hatching other girls from eggs and fighting demons. So or whatever you, you want to call them. So you can you can believe that there are things out there that no one can see but this one person. 
But if you step back into our reality, and you would think about, you know, hey, there is no, there are no wonder eggs, and there's no um, Aka and Ura Aka and all this other stuff, then it gets a little more difficult. And I would say, no, like this is this is somebody who's a little bit off their rocker. Um, yeah, it would seem. I would probably agree with you that. I mean, I was speaking a little bit from a devil's advocate standpoint, but I would also agree that it's probably likely that she had some form of mental illness because uh, seeing people who aren't there that are talking to you, that kind of thing, like sort of a paranoia, those all are symptoms of much more serious problems. And, uh, and uh, like I was talking about that girl that, that was at the hotel that was bipolar um, in a previous episode, it might've even been in the paranoia episodes that we were covering, but she also like, she tried not to see these things, you know, but taking her pills also was not a great outcome for her. And she often would shirk them or not take them. So, you know, we don't know, a lot of the story that's missing here. And we don't know what she looked like when she actually died, but it looked like she was in her pajamas. So I'm thinking that's supposed to be sort of like her hospital wear. Um, so then if the villain is the manifestation of her, like of her the, fear of not being believed, honestly, yeah, but it's, it's interesting that the way in which one has to contrive to defeat this monster, right? The, the girl who committed suicide, Yai, had to give something to Ai so that, um, so that she could see the, the villain. So, and I, I don't think I has brought anything back before from a dream girl. No, that was interesting, right? She did have the the bracelet, the the like Buddhist uh, beads, prayer beads, yeah, prayer beads later in the episode. And she was very uh, upset when her mom tried to put her clothes in the laundry. <laughs> I mean, she was being scolded because she just left her clothes in a in a pile on the floor outside the bath, but. I think she was probably upset because like those clothes are connected to that other place and the things that she takes back are the things that are in her pockets. And she's not ready to share this crazy adventure that she's currently on with her mom. True. But then I, as a, as a parent myself would say, then clean up your own shit so that you're. Oh yeah. I, I felt exactly it. the same way. I mean, my daughter is constantly leaving her clothes like, she takes off her clothes downstairs before coming upstairs to take a bath. And then the clothes, you know, that, they, that was least, her solution. At least closer to the washing machine, if that's the case. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, well, I guess it's so that she doesn't forget to bring them down. So that's her solution is that she just walks through the house buck naked. I don't know. It's your life, I guess. It's not my life. <laughs> it's certainly not my life. <laughs> Anyway, um, if we go back a little bit, there's some really interesting stuff here that we kind of didn't talk about, but we have leveled up. We are no longer just talking about um, those 
see no evil bystanders. Bystanders. We are no longer talking about those see no evil bystanders. Uh, they have mask off. They're mask off, and they've revealed themselves as just haters. They've they like uh, we're in World Tier Three now. <laughs> yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, um, it's an interesting. So I thought it was an interesting plot twist that that they are informed. The girls collectively are informed. Hey, you have become seen as agents for good or agents that are making an impact. And as a result, forces are now aligning against you when previously they would ignore slights or harms that you undertook. Now they're actively trying to perpetrate them. They they actually hate you for your fame and notoriety. Yeah, it almost sounds like like the body, like where some some kind of foreign element makes itself known and the white blood cells attack it in order to remove it, the threat. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a fascinating way to describe it because I could get, I could take us really down a rabbit hole, but I read a book at one point about, um, some of the problems with poorer societies. Uh, Mm -hmm. and when we're talking poorer societies, we're actually talking about like, this is a particular inner city society or inner city, um, area in Chicago and the interlocking of what was going on there. And when somebody would start earning a lot of money or behaving out of line societally, other people would actually s- deliberately seek to sabotage them because they, they're like, you can't leave here. No one gets to leave here. Like we're all in this together for better or for worse. And as a right. result, like if you start getting too big for your britches, we are absolutely going to tear you down. That makes sense. Uh, you could apply that to like uh, the way that rap stars kind of come up, you know, they, they come up and unfortunately they it seems like they can't shed where they came from in the sense that that's sort of like the authenticity that gives them their power so they remain close to those societies that you're talking about that are lower income that are you know sort of trapped and they become victims of the same sort of mentality where success that doesn't spread to every single other person there has no intrinsic value and is a threat to the idea that any of them could escape, but for whatever reason, they, they lack what, what this individual has. Mm-hmm. There's a really funny like lead in to the characters saying the title of the show. Um, it's a little bit awkward. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because it starts off and and Akka, the Akas are kind of building them up and they're saying that they're heroes and um, they're saying that you can't just like last the night. You have to defeat the Wonder Killer. You have to uh, do this stuff. And if you can't, then you have to get out and protect the girl and just so that tomorrow she'll have a chance to regenerate and you can try again. And then they say something really weird. They say society is built on, and the girls actually say that wonder egg priority. Yeah. So like that, and and later in the episode, they even had a quote where they were like, I guess sometimes, you know, family matters take precedence over life and death battles. (laughs) And that really struck me as just 
a very big sum up of, of where the show is right now, because on the one hand, we're dealing with these girls who are very much finding friendship with each other. They're discovering new sides to their personalities that they're unlocking within each other. And they're getting physically stronger, mentally stronger through these trials that they're going through in order to save the wonder eggs. Um, but at the same time, they, they still live in those worlds where the old them resides. And so there's kind of a conflict between who they're becoming and, and sort of the expectation of who they are. And so we've got all this sort of like girl talk and sort of this family drama and whatever the hell Nadu's going through uh, being president of a company. Yeah, we still don't really know. You know, and Momo dealing Momoe dealing with uh the the unwanted attentions of female students. So like all this stuff is going on and then they're also fighting these like life and death battles, but oftentimes like it seems like I puts off going back to get Akka's uh, into the Akka's world to get their eggs. She puts it off for like a day or two. Like the other ones are like, are we going today? She's like, nah, let's do it tomorrow. It's not like, there's not like this rush to like get it done. Even though we saw Nadu had like a whole stack of eggs, had a whole suitcase of eggs or a briefcase of eggs. Yes. She seemed sort of more intent than what's going on here. But has she lost some of that intenseness? I mean, it feels like they're just, because they're going through this process together now, and because other things are taking, are becoming more important, how important is doing this egg thing? Yeah. That's the question for you. Well, and this is what I was bringing up in the, which was expressly, which is supposed to discuss, like, you know, if you've got, if you've developed now strong relationships and all these other things, what, why, who are you bringing back? Why are you bringing, like, <laughs> what, let the dead be dead. Let the past is be in the past. Like, what is, what is the purpose of these activities? I mean, on one hand, I thought for sure I had some secret locked in her that she just needed to get out uh, in investigating Koito's suicide. But the more that we're watching this, the more it feels like that maybe even I doesn't know. And she's missing some piece of information that will give her the answer as to why this girl took her life. Like in previous episodes, I would have said, well, maybe she knows, but here We've got Rika once again dancing around this idea that, I mean, they're all just being super blunt about it too, about the fact that Mr. Sawaki might be uh, using Ai's mother. Uh, he, well, I should say that, let me back up one second. It is revealed in this episode that Ai's mom is planning on dating Mr. Sawaki. And I think that if you look back at the episodes that we've watched so far, there were subtle hints along the way that yeah. and their relationship also, was headed in that direction. They're already dating. Like, I don't quite know exactly what that means. Like, once you have... I don't know. Maybe it's like when a divorced parent, like, just... It's sort of a coming out of the relationship more than it is, like... Dating formally only happens when it's in the open. Like, when it's when it's, like... Like her mom is planning on actually like going out with this person or like 
you know, bringing them into their lives in a real way, which we see happen at the sukiyaki dinner. And I is right to be like very skeptical of getting both of her favorite meals in one day. Yeah, no, that was like this. There's a weird mythos about sukiyaki that it's like this, this premier food that you very rarely get to indulge in. We spent an episode talking about how about how he might be some sort of predator or otherwise, you know, weird. And then but he's also related to um, and I can't remember her name. What's the right? He's related to Momoe. And so it's very weird to talk about in that nature. And then we got the girls are excited that the two might end up being related in some way. Uh, Yeah, which I is not excited about. I feel like there's a bunch of whiplash going on. Right. Well, uh, I think it is Nadu who puts the the clues together. She says it's Occam's razor because the most obvious answer as to why I would not want Mr. Sawaki to be uh, related to her um, or to date her mother. And the most obvious reason why um, all of this is happening is because I secretly likes him. And I's reaction is that, no, 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 of course not. But the lady doth protest too much. Perhaps she does like him. Perhaps he was her first crush. Um, what's your what's your feel? What's your read on those scenes where uh, she she kind of goes up to him and says, I'm going back to school. And the flashbacks where we see him talking about how unique her eyes are. And we know that he drew a picture of her. And that that may have driven uh, Koito into some kind of jealous spiral. It's Um, all very, it's done well in the sense that I can't quite tell what's going on, but there is something there that is going to be, that I feel like we need to have uncovered. Um, There is some missing information somewhere along the way here uh, that we're not getting and the mystery still has to be revealed it's going to explain how Koito and and her and the teacher all come into line. But it's very, it is a little disturbing that he's spent, the, the teacher who seems to have been associated with some of the problems has also been coming around, is now suggesting dating Ai's mother, um, and Ai's mother is going along with it. It's like their destinies are intertwined in a way that doesn't seem fully healthy. Like, I feel like it should have been a different teacher who is the one who's checking in on I. Yeah, he's he's portrayed in a way that is purposefully. It's purpose purposefully asexual in the sense that, like, he's he's so cool and flat and he he's never showing his cards. He's either really earnest and really upfront or he's hiding something. Or both. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of Ai's behavior because she gets pretty funny in this episode. At one point, and this is my favorite scene, she arrives to the Akas and she's skipping. And the girls are kind of like sitting back as the Greek chorus, like just watching her go through these bizarre emotional... <laughs> like she's skipping and then she's like making a ruckus. And I thought the whole scene was very funny, but also kind of like disconcerting. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, It was, 
like it, there was there was humor in it. Like she's walking down the street, she's kicking things, and then it makes a sound like she broke something. Actually, yeah, I think uh, a window. I'm not yeah. sure. And then they just kind of move on from there. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and what they move on to is the power-ups, and that's sort of like the big reveal this episode, I guess, is that the girls get something to use to combat. To they get they get swag to fight the higher level enemies, <laughs> and what they get are these pendants that have little creatures in them. Can you talk to us a little bit about what these are? No, They're called I, pomanders. I don't think I can. <laughs> um, and again, the show just gets it right um, when they when they when they reveal that they're giving away these rare, expensive things to the girls, which seems sketchy on its face already. But when they reveal that they're giving them away, um, <laughs> the girls look at them, and there's kind of this like there's kind of this question mark that hangs in the air for a bit. But then there's a beat. And they're like, oh, my God, they're super adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. They're all because the, the the reveal ceremony, it's like it is super weird. It's like half the time they're being treated like little spoiled brats. And the other half, like they're out there saving the world and getting plaudits for, um, you know, being so selfless. So it's very weird because like the girls rightly say, if you had these things before, why didn't you give them to us? And they're like, well, we didn't want you to lose them. And it's, yeah. the implication is like, oh, we bring them out only on special occasions. And we brought them out now because I guess the other sets of girls that show up didn't measure up. Ooh, like what? Ooh, like, could it be? Well, what is this going on? Like there's, and there's Akka and Ura Akka talk as if, as if these girls are a batch of, of something. Like this is a repeated process. So... Yeah, you know, this, these are the only. We know that. Yeah, go ahead. We know that the threat level was raised because of how well they're doing in the game, how much they're drawing attention to themselves. So it's possible that maybe other. You talked about the game. It's not a game per se, or it wasn't. It implied. feels like a game it, right now. Well, it, it absolutely does. There's all sorts of gamification going on. The enemies are getting power ups. There's a boss on every level. Um, you know, we've got special power up weapons. We we yeah. figure out puzzles like it's very gamified. And yet the premise at the beginning is that we are bringing back our dead friends from hell or purgatory or wherever it is that they're trapped. So we find out that inside of these things, there are creatures and they manifest in the real world and here again we're in the real world but we're seeing magic which is something we i wouldn't say that we had confirmation of until now that there actually can be magic in the real world and not the like whatever the dream world or whatever it's called um the the world of the akas so I, at one point, is sitting on her bed and she's got her pendant on her chest and she keeps manifesting her chameleon named Leon over and over again. And she's just having fun with it. And then her mom calls her and that's when the whole dinner thing happens. But, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, just to go over the pets that each of them get, 
Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to remember, but I'm, I believe Rika gets, I believe Naidu gets a snake. Rika she gets does. a turtle. A white snake. So Rika, yeah. Re- she does get the turtle, yes. They're very weird looking pets too. They're not normally colored, except for maybe eyes, which is um, which is green. And it's a chameleon. Um, so chameleons can be take many colors. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is a gator, I think. It's like a miniature, like, lizard yeah i i couldn't tell what it what did sort of look like a baby gator but that was that's a very weird pet uh yeah they kind of look like pokemon like they got some pokemon and they're trapped in their pokeballs um yeah and it turns out that they need these because these things love to eat the haters they just gobble them up and because they're able to eat the haters uh i can focus on finding this ghost and the ghost kicks her ass for quite some time until finally that bracelet we talked about ends up in I's possession. And when she's holding it, she can finally see the ghost. And I have to say, the ghost is quite stupid looking. <laughs> yes, I, I concur with you there. But I mean, really, the imagination fills in the blanks so that anything they picked probably would not have been all that impressive. Do you think it's a it's a play on the elephant in the room, though? Is it some kind of like, is there a joke there that I'm missing? Because <laughs> it has a long trunk. I don't know, like an elephant never forgets. I, I, uh... It's also very, it's also when, when the ghost is revealed and it, it realizes that I can see it, it seems to lose all of its power. Yeah, it seems it's... to just, it becomes so sullen and, 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 and mousy and timid. Yeah, it, it, it loses, but, but that, that makes sense, right? Like something that's invisible has a great deal more power than something that's not. I, I, keep coming back to that and saying like is it meaningful that the worlds are bleeding together now the world of reality and the dream world are less separated than they used to be yeah that's an interesting question i'm going to have trouble answering it without giving away some future stuff but in this episode especially it doesn't even seem like time is sequential because it, it keeps cutting from i in a precarious situation in the bathroom to I just waking up or not even waking up, just just sitting in her bed or uh, doing stuff. Like she's not even, it's not like, it's not like we can tell the moment that she wakes up. Her life just keeps going. And it's possible they just did it that way for storytelling purposes because it, it makes it more impactful if you're not fully understanding where I's head is at as she's dealing with these, her own ghosts, I guess. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> how do you apply, how, do, how can you apply the monster of the week, the ghost, and the girl who sees something that's not there? Can you apply that, and no one believes her, can you apply that to the predicament that I finds herself in? Well... If I had to apply it, then what comes to mind is that I saw something that no one else is going to believe. Um, and that would get back to the purported suicide of Koito. So perhaps right. there is a clue there um, in that she saw something that no one would believe and it might... and. It, that could have a lot of implications on whether or not it's a suicide or not. Um, and 
that could involve her teacher, um, whereupon perhaps the suicide was, yeah, if it is a suicide, like let's, what if it's not? What if it's perpetrated mm. by the teacher having done something and now the only, you know, I would have to go around accusing the teacher, but she's just a, a girl and she may have been in compromising Right. Uh, compromising um, details that make it very unlikely that people will believe her word over his. Uh, there was one really nice piece of animation that I kind of glossed over where um, when I reveals the ghost and the ghost is like kind of shocked that she can see her, I dodges by sliding under the ghost, grabbing her pen that had fallen away turning it into the the bludgeon and then swinging straight across and cracking her in the head. And uh, that whole sequence is breathtaking. That is some good animation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have, I've consistently liked the animation style. Um, I think it's, it's pretty unattractive and, and, um, and compelling. And I think it's well animated. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff, too, that's just there's just mood setting stuff that I really enjoyed in this episode, like when she cracks her egg on the sukiyaki like box and you can see the egg yolk just dripping through the the material. And like, I don't know, it's just there's a lot to like about this show as far as its presentation goes. Uh, Let me get on the. And the last note here, let's just get your read on that final scene, because we talked about it earlier, but I didn't really get your opinion on how to read Eyes um, sort of like dash out of the house to school, still wet, into the rain. Um, and she goes up to the teacher and uh, the only word I can use is she glomps onto him, which is a word I haven't used in a while. It's a very anime sort of feeling to me, but she just grabs his arm. And then what did, what did you think of this whole scene? How did you, how did you feel about it? I I can't, again, there's something still missing there. Well, I mean, Um, it wants you to, it wants you to think that she's going to say, I love you. Yeah, it it does feel like that's not what she says. No, not at all. Do you think she loves him or and she just couldn't bring herself to say it? No. Or do you think there's something else going on here? Well, I do think there's something else going on there, but I don't know what it is. Um I you know, you bring this you bring this up as well. You know, there's a moment um in the reveal when they talk about the fact that they're going to start the her teacher and her mother starts talking about the fact that they're going to start dating. And it's when the food is, um, the food is dropped in the bowl. So right at the second that she says, um, your teacher and I have said, we're going to, we think we're going to start dating. Um, right then the food is dropped into the bowl as if, uh, something drops inside. I, Yeah. You know what? If it was me, I'm eating that first. I'm eating that and then I'm feeling my feelings. You know what I'm saying? That food looks good. It did, but it to me it was the <laughs> the the imagery is supposed to tell us that her maybe you're right. Maybe she is in love with them. 
Um, I'm not saying she is. I'm just saying it felt like a confession at that moment. Perhaps. Um, That is definitely one way to read it. It could also be a sense of dread, I suppose. Yeah. But she doesn't seem to manifest that. She doesn't otherwise walk around saying like she she dreads him. Yeah. And and if it's not that she loves him and that she's just really going to school, then it also feels kind of like she's kind of like washing her hair of him, you know, like she's just, it's like, I think washing her hands, washing her hands, (laughs) washing her hair of him. Oh, really? No, like uh, she's letting, letting go in a way. Like she's, she's sort of putting a, a happy face on a situation that maybe doesn't have 100% happiness attached to it, but she's going to try to just get over it and get over the things that have sort of like gotten her down. So we don't know. We don't know what it is. We don't know what that feeling is yet. But um, I also felt bad for Momo in this episode because they just kept coming up with these crazier and crazier theories about Mr. Sawaki, her uncle. Yeah, that was my last thought on the episode, really. Do you have anything else you'd like to discuss? I think we've no, covered the gamut. I mean, there was a lot here in this episode, so. Yeah, um, I think this show works really well when the monsters are not the main focus and we get a lot of uh, the personal drama interspersed with it. Um. Yeah, I have a hard time feeling the gravity of the monsters at this point. The the drama is more about the interpersonal relationships. Yeah, and if the monsters play into that, I think that's when the show's working best. When the monsters feel when when the characters are going through something and in order to resolve the monster of the week or the egg girl, they need to deal with their own personal issues or by dealing with the monster, they're able to deal with their own personal issues or have some kind of catharsis. Anyway, my voice is tired. I had acting lessons before this, and it was certainly a lot of like emoting and talking. But um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And if you want to tell us what you thought of the show, you can reach us on Twitter at Okashina Podcast. That's O-K-A-S-H-I-N-A Podcast. Don and I are both on Twitter. We're always constantly active. So come tell us what you think. You know, what series should we do next? I'm really open to anything. You know, we have Beastars coming up, but besides that, I'm still I'm still open. Like I want to do Footy Kuri, but let us know. Uh anyway, Don. Okashku. E. Ko. Yo! That's how we should do it every time. Just make people wait for it. What if we put like a 10 second pause in there? (laughs)